Suncast is brought to you by SunGrow, providing clean power for all. Suncast is also brought to you by Trina Solar. Hey there, Solar Warriors. I'm Nico Johnson, and this is Suncast. Each week, I pull back the veil on the life and business insights of clean tech entrepreneurs building the most noble and impactful companies of our time. I hope what you learn from this conversation is a catalyst for your own growth. So thanks for tuning in and welcome to our tribe. Hey, well, welcome back, Solar Warriors, Climate Champions. This is another Tactical Tuesday here on Suncast. These are conversations with subject matter experts designed to give you practical tools, tips, and advice for building your solar business or career and grow with us in this clean energy revolution here on Suncast. If Thursdays are thoughtful insights into the who of the industry, consider this the what, when, how, where, the tools of the trade, if you will. And very often, as is today, we bring you content from one of our many live broadcasts and trainings. This one in particular is coming to you from the most recent live event that we've held, which is RE+, where we partnered with the conference to bring the Power Up Media Zone to life. At the Media Zone, we interviewed industry thought leaders, personalities, executives, and founders to glean their insights about the current trends and where the industry is going. This is one such interview, and I know you are going to love it. And if you're new here, I would hope that you will subscribe to the show. I hope that we earn your attention and trust after today's conversation. Of course, you can find more than 525 additional founder stories and startup advice over in our catalog of back conversations at mysuncast.com. You will also find all of the conversations that we streamed live from the Power Up Media Zone over on YouTube. If you just search Suncast Media or if you just put in to YouTube the channel marker for Suncast Media, it's all one word, Suncast Media, you will certainly find our channel and become one of our more than 1,000 subscribers to that channel as well. For now, let's get down to business and tune up your skills, Solar Warrior, with another practical, tactical, live conversation from RE Plus here on Suncast. Hey, welcome everybody to today's special panel. Just like Nico said, we're gonna be talking about the doubling, how to double the value of your solar customer through follow-on sales. And so just wanna give people a little bit more time to kind of trickle in. And as we do this, I've got a riddle for everyone. Here's a riddle. What gets bigger the more you take away from it? What gets bigger the more you take away from it? Panelists, you guys know? Don't answer yet. All right. What's the answer? A hole. A hole. What gets bigger when you take more away from it? A hole. All right. We've got a smart gentleman here in the front. One other announcement I want to make. We do have some special Suncast Bodhi t-shirts, which I am currently wearing right now. And since everyone is here, you can meet. Um, if you guys want a t-shirt, there's Katarina in the middle of the floor. After the talk, just go by her and um, hopefully you guys will be able to get a snag a t-shirt. It's limited run, so once they're out, they're out. All right, so let's get going here. 
So I want to thank everyone again for coming to today's event. I'm Scott Wynn, founder and CEO of Bodie. It's a software platform where we help growing residential solar companies really just remove operational headaches and then sell more to more people. So I want to start now, of people out there in the audience, I want to take a quick poll. So just like Nico did, how many of you are actually solar installers? All right, I got a few, okay. Leave your hands up. How many of you actually have, have a service department? All right, everyone's got there. How many of you have a profitable service department? Okay, so this is exactly why we're here today. I mean, so what we're gonna try to do today is answer the question, how do we look beyond that initial sale of solar and try to unlock that extra revenue that is hidden in our customer base that we have right now? So I've got four heavyweights here from the industry here to try to answer those questions and give us tips that we can use in our solar business. So I've got intro to the panelists. So I'm going to be kind of quick. I think you guys know all the folks already. So we've got Mark Liffman, CEO of Omnidian, co-founder as well. We also have Ryan Barnett, who's the Chief Marketing Development Officer at Palmetto. He's been there for a long time, opens up new markets for Palmetto. He's going to tell us some interesting things about their new service product. We got Adam Hinckley, VP of Corporate Development at Enphase. And last but not least, Preston Booker, Director of Strategic Accounts at Baywa. So we love audience participation. So you, if you do have a question, just come up towards the front and I'll try to call on you. We're also going to save some time for Q&A. So definitely have some, um, think of those questions as, we, um, as you guys are listening in. All right, so let's dive in and see what kind of insights our panelists have. So first one kind of set the stage. So like, I think back 2016, 2017, Sunrun published like a white paper report that basically estimated that the lifetime value of a solar customer was actually twice that of the initial sale. However, if I talk to solar installers across the US, they all tell me service is really hard. And most actually consider that post-sale customer or post-install customer a liability rather than an opportunity. So the first topic we're gonna try to answer is what's really changed to make that post-install sales important and actually achievable? So Mark, I'm gonna ask you first. I mean, this question is for you. So, you know, what was that situation like, what, five, six years ago when you started Omnidian? And then how has that changed? So I think the biggest thing that's changed is the customer. So the customer looks the same today, but we're fundamentally selling to different customers than we were five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Um, and I've been doing this for a long, long time in solar. But even five years ago, we were really selling early adopters. And they just have a different mentality than uh, customers today. We're now selling to that mainstream customer, and they've got really different attitudes towards risk. Um, they, your early adopters will take on more risk. They want solar for quasi-religious reasons. They, they mm -hmm. just want it. Versus your, your mainstream customer, they want something that works and it's gonna be easy for them. Um, and that's, I think the biggest thing that's changed in five years is we've got a, diff a whole different customer set that we're selling to now. And so what do you think makes them, you know, when you, most of the time, the sale process is, hey, I'm selling solar, maintenance free, 25, 30 years. How Stop has that lying. changed now? Stop lying. That is not true. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that, that wasn't true five years ago. It's not true now. 
we've got we've got mountains and mountains of data to say that that's not true. Um, you know, if if we put solar in a laboratory somewhere, maybe it would be a 25-year product with no maintenance, but. It's it's in the real world. Yeah. Squirrels chew on wires. <laughs> inverters <laughs> fail. Modules fail. Not, not uh, you've got all inverters. sorts of things that happen. Not end phase inverters. <laughs> only other other <laughs> manufacturers inverters fail. You know all that stuff happens in the real world, and we shouldn't be telling customers that because it it isn't true, and it sets bad expectations, and then they have a bad experience with solar. If we set the right expectations, and then we have a plan to actually deliver against that that customers have a fantastic experience with solar. Okay, that sounds good. So Preston, I'm gonna turn the conversation to you now. So when you talk with your all the installers that you're working with from California across the US, so what differences are you noticing between these different types of installers when they start to think about these opportunities for post-sale? our post-install sales? Yeah, that's that's a great question. I would say there's two categories of customers that we're serving. One is high hands-on, setting expectations up front, positioning themselves as an energy so solutions provider, uh, kind of rebranding, I'm seeing that happen now, versus they have a detached sales organization and they're going to do an install. And it kind of everything in between, there's models all over the place, but the two models kind of jump out. And, and this is, as I talk and prep for this, I talk to a lot of customers to just ask them exactly what they're doing and, and how they're approaching the market and how they're approaching really what we're going to be talking about that second sale. How do we treat our customers? How are we differentiating ourselves so we can actually sell them the next thing? So two different camps, I would say both including the ones that have a one that have been traditionally one and done are rethinking that strategy. These are big companies I'm talking to who understand the value of that initial $3,000, $5,000 investment in that customer and the value of doing it a second time. They're rethinking it, but the ones that are immediately monetizing, I think, the second sale because of all the new technology that's coming that basically is here, home automation, mm -hmm. heat pumps, um, you name it, all the opportunity that's out there, there is a convergence. Is there any kind of characteristics of the companies that are embracing this and the companies that are saying, hey, I'm just gonna stay away? Is there, are you seeing that distinction? Yeah, you know, what I'll do is I'll point to kind of a, a, a buying cooperative amicus. Mm -hmm. We'll just say that. So most of you probably know what the Amicus kind of customer is and what they do kind of in the market. They're, they're high hands-on. Uh, you know, they're working very hard kind of for the customer through the journey of their solar experience, including post-sale. They have an O&M division built in, so that's it's kind of expected that there's going to be service long-term. They have other divisions that they're already running, and they're talking a lot pre-sale about the customer's consumption. Mm -hmm. So they understand there's two components, there's really three components to this, and they're having those conversations early. There's PV on the production side, there is the customer's demand, the load, and then there's the center ground, which is storage, which is both production and consumption. It's an interesting space where the others just, the conversations aren't that sophisticated. Yeah. It's a one and done mentality, again, all are trying to find out how they kind of undo the one and done. We sold PV and that's that. Do you think there, do you think there will continue to be the one and done folks, companies out no, there? No, I think, I think they're all thinking those strategies right now. How do we not be a one and done? Okay. Um, how do we monetize it? Are we going with the trade alliance? Mm -hmm. Are we opening our own division to do HVAC or some other you know, component of this home automation? 
Yeah. Okay. And so, yeah, do you have anything to add, Ryan? I was just going to jump in and say, you know, the one and done versus being confident that this the initial sale was made with the right set of assumptions and conditions is a, an important distinction. Some look at that customer as liability and burden. Other developers look at that customer as, how can I continually engage, feed them useful information so that they can kind of enhance the asset that they already invested in, mm -hmm. so that when that customer, when that homeowner is thinking about the next electrification, electrification asset they invest in, who am I going to go to? I'm going to go to the developer that has continually engaged me, not been afraid to engage me, and has fed me the right information to make an informed choice. And I think the developers that recognize don't see it as a liability, don't see it as a burden, see it as increased revenue because market conditions are changing as well. Mm -hmm. A solar asset five years ago, you know, under full retail net metering conditions, doesn't matter when it generates. It's a dumb resource, right? Mm -hmm. It generates and. In it's one for one, so who really cares about my load and, and matching load to, to solar export? But now, California, Arizona, lots of munis and co-ops have reduced export credit mm -hmm. for solar. And so energy storage and consumption monitoring is now all of a sudden a real monetary asset to enhance that PV system, whereas yeah. five years ago, it was kind of irrelevant. Yeah, we've seen the same. So I remember with the, with the solar installers that we work with, initially, consumption was generally offered as an option. And when it's like an option, customers don't actually sign up. But now they're just like offering as a standard. So we're seeing a lot more customers. Adam, you have anything to add on this topic? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I think you asked what changed over the past several years. And I think to your point is that, you know, you have something that used to be non-dispatchable that is now dispatchable, right? So you have the ability to take solar and add on different distributed energy resources, whether it's battery storage, whether it's EV charging, right? Then there's, you know, home automation, electrification of the home, right? So there's so much more opportunity to amortize the stubbornly high customer acquisition costs for this industry across those second or third sales, right? Those didn't exist. And, you know, what we're continuously seeing is that there's this convergence of, you know, electricity, mobility, and home appliances, right? And so, you know, Enphase is doing a lot in terms of diversifying our product offering to installers, right? We have EV chargers now. We introduced battery storage systems about two years ago. We acquired a company, Clipper Creek, at the end of 2021 that does, um, you know, level two home charging, right? We now have a partnership with a company that uh, Bosch owns called Home Connect, which is basically, you know, electrification of appliances. So, you know, through those types of partnerships, we are enabling the homeowner to have one app where they can control Bosch appliances along with their Enphase solar storage, mm -hmm. eventually EV charging, you know, couple that with smart charging, as well as we recently did an acquisition of a company that does some of this connectivity to third-party devices. So we'll integrate heat pumps in the future um, and provide more opportunities for the installer to maintain that long-term relationship and go back with a new sale opportunity. So interesting. So I'm going to pose this question to, the, to the, the panel now. Given what you just said, with what Enphase is trying to do to put that all together, how does the solar industry be better than like the, the Googles and the Amazons that are trying to do the same thing? 
Well, I think it's going to take a lot of the talent. But I think the talent from those types of companies is moving over to the solar industry, right? I mean, you know, I think we're going to see a huge development of AI capabilities for our industry, and you're going to—it's going to be the people that come from, you know, Google, Apple, and Facebook that are going to say, "Well, you know, we're now working at these mega cap companies. We want to do something more entrepreneurial. We want to work in companies that have, you know, the explosive growth opportunity of 100, 200 percent annual growth for the next 10 years, mm. right?" And I think those that skill set's going to come over. So software development is the future, right? And everything we're doing is coupling software with the hardware products we provide. Yeah. Mark, you got anything to add on that one? We, we, we are seeing the same thing. So, you know, our software development team comes from, not surprisingly, we're in Seattle, Amazon and Microsoft. So people are coming over to the industry rather than waiting for those companies to come to bring them to the industry. And uh, I love what you guys are doing with the one app to rule them all. It's, uh, you know, I mean, that's part of what we need to do. We need to simplify life for these consumers. Like, if we're doing this in a way that makes their lives more complicated, they're not going to embrace it. But if we can, if we as an industry can find ways to simplify uh, the process of electrification, then the mainstream consumer will embrace it. And it also seems like OEMs, Three, five years ago, maybe there was just a handful of energy storage systems that were viable and available, consumption monitoring, et cetera. Now, there's so much competition. I mean, how many vendors are over there? There's so much competition amongst OEMs to bring both a technically you know, competent product into the home, but also work with developers and software developers to make sure they're interoperable, they are sharing APIs, they're able to be integrated into a single app and dashboard for the consumer. That didn't exist five, six years ago. There were so many barriers to interoperability and compatibility amongst equipment and software. Yeah, I'll just add quickly, um, it's a great question, and are we diverging or are we converging, really, from a technology perspective? You guys know better than I, you're more working on the software side, but what I can say and what I know we've done at Baywa just anecdotally is um, we've announced our partnership with Google. So it's just Google Nest at the moment, but you know, long term we do see Google as a, as a strong player, whether you know, it's yet to be determined kind of where they're going to play in, in the, play in the role. Uh, clearly Enphase and, and others have very strong presence on the production side, right? I think Google and, and Amazon, they're, they're looking at, they're approaching it from the consumption side. But yeah, I think communication protocols and things like that are really what's going to need to be set up in order for everything to mesh. Because you're right, customer experience is the crucial and important thing. Have you been curious about utility scale storage? SunGrow's revolutionary liquid-cooled solution is revolutionizing the storage landscape. Its built-in DC to DC coupling combined with other features like higher energy density and 3% slower battery degradation make it a robust solution that companies nationwide are choosing. You can learn more about this innovative solution by SunGrow by visiting mysuncast.com forward slash SunGrow. Hey family, one quick reminder here that if you haven't yet joined Resource Labs, you are missing out. It is our outstanding community. It's the evolution of Suncast moving from presentations, you listening to us talk, to conversations. Our community involved in conversations as varied as powering Australia to green hydrogen to crypto 
and so many other things. Our newsroom is full of great insights. The main chat and even our RE Plus Where to Party At channel have been popping off. We've got more than 100 folks enjoying the community, and I would invite you in. You can do that at mysuncast.com forward slash community. Come see how Resource Labs can help you grow your influence, impact, and income. See you inside. All right, we're going to start moving on to a second topic here, which is more about just the specific opportunities post-sale. I mean, Adam, you kind of touched on that already. Can, you know, can you go a little bit more in detail, like more specifically? So, you know, Enphase went away from microinverters. Y'all launched batteries a few years ago. What do you think specifically are some of those sales opportunities that installers themselves should really be considering? I mean, like, is it at a heat pump or is it something that is easy for them to sell and they can like say, hey, I'm gonna expand my product suite or I'm just gonna focus in solely on solar, maybe simply add batteries. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, look, I think, um, you know, especially with the passing of the Inflation Reduction Act, right, that now provides a standalone storage ITC, right? That's a huge opportunity for the industry because now, you know, Enphase alone has two million homes roughly that are Enphase rooftop solar customers, a very small number of those homes have battery storage systems on them, right? So now you open up nearly, you know, just from Enphase alone, forget about the other OEMs out there, you open up the entire installed base of customers to go back and say, hey, you should add a storage system. Mm -hmm. Beyond a storage system, there's also, you know, repaneling opportunities, right? If a system is, you know, 10, 15 years old, you know, you have 260 watt panels on there or 240 watt panels, you can now put on 400 watt panels, right? So there's a whole, you know, opportunity to, to redo the system. And then, you know, we know that if you are, if you have solar on your roof, you're obviously going to be more interested and more likely to buy an EV, right? So, you know, then it's an easy sell to, to sell the EV charger. Mm-hmm. The opposite is, is probably even more true, right? If you have an EV without solar, you see your first electric bill after you buy that EV and you're like, oops, damn, I need to get solar, right? So that's, about that. that's an even better opportunity, right? When you, when you know that. Ryan, let me ask you. So one of the key things that Palmetto rolled out, rolled out about a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago, were service plans. Can you, um, I think it's awesome because that provides installers like a chance for recurring revenue. But so can you tell us about these plans and actually what is involved in providing such plans? Sure. So, yeah, you're referencing Palmetto Protect, and there's several different flavors or tiers of service and warranty that we're uh, committing to those customers. I think step one is making sure you can fulfill on the obligations you're committing to those customers um, effectively and efficiently, because as Mark's probably writing a book on it as we speak, but (laughs) these are distressed assets, right? These are customers that are usually reaching out because there's a problem. Um, And so you need to make sure you have the right partners and the right network to... um, What's, what's, so what's covered, what, yeah, what's covered under the, um, one of the protect plans? Various, I mean, monitoring, panel cleaning, troubleshooting, uh, you know, kind of yearly calibration, Mm -hmm. um, you know, production reports, offset reports. um, So constantly being enhanced. Um, but I, I think that is kind of just a lead in and a way for us to create that continual connectivity mm-hmm. to the homeowner. Um, and we're seeing it more and we're investing lots in the software side to be able to communicate market changes and, and dynamics like beyond just servicing a distressed asset. Mm-hmm. How are we communicating relevant information to customers 
that is not just noise, you know, that is actually relevant for them to recognize additional benefits of their investment. So rate plan, new dynamic rate plans, changes to net metering, things that really materially affect the investment that they've made. How are we communicating that and making sure they're taking advantage? So wait, so so let me try to rephrase what I just heard. You're using the service plans you're getting a little bit of money from that for the for that, but you're really using it as a gateway for engagement for bigger opportunities potentially down the road. Correct. As well. Okay, got it. The customer invested in, in a very expensive asset and investment, so we want to make sure the customer feels supported and informed about the performance of that asset. That then allows us to create that relationship directly with the customer, trusted source of information, so that when they are considering that next investment or purchase, or we bring them a product or an idea and a service that could potentially enhance that asset, they've already had a great experience, they're aware of us, they're consuming the information we fed them over the last couple of years, we responded when the, when the inverter went down, we took care of them. Mm-hmm. That, the that is really... They don't go down. Automat- yeah. <laughs> That's the opportunity long yeah. term. Okay, so let me, Mark, let me ask you this. What are some of the what are some of the headaches in providing post install service that you guys encounter and which a lot of other installers are encountering as well? I I uh, some of the leads from our operations team are sitting towards the front here and they're uh, just just hey. giggling now. They should probably come exactly. up and answer these questions. <laughs> so, you know, we're dealing with humans. So it, it's the keeping the asset working is the easy part. I shouldn't say it's the easy part. We've invested tens of millions of dollars now in, in software to automate that part. I think it's the human side that's the tough part. You know, it's dealing with customer. You know, you get some crazy things like, why isn't my system working at night? It worked last <laughs> night. And well, no, that's, you know, the sun has to be out for this to work. You deal with things like roof leaks, and those are generally really distressed customers who are really upset. And, uh, you know, we, we're laughing about it now, but we are going into rainy season, and <laughs> that will be a challenge. You know, so it's the range of dealing with the human emotions and being thoughtful about how to communicate to those people. Um, and that's something that we've learned over the years that, it isn't just making sure that their solar or their solar and storage keep working. It's communicating with them in ways that they know they're taken care of. And when they have a question, being able to answer that question clearly and with empathy. Um, so you understand what they're going through. They've spent a lot of money on this asset. They, yeah. want, they want to know that it, it, it is continuing to work. Adam, can you talk about this from an Enphase perspective? Because you guys are you you got you're touching you're touching the customers as well the end consumer as well as the installers how do you guys balance that relationship and who who gets that service call or that customer complaint well so we actually get about half of our calls to our call center coming in are from homeowners right so you know in most situations we are the customer facing entity because of the fact that they're using our app 
right? So they log on, they see their production, it's all on the Enphase app. And so even though they, you know, their installer may or may not be in business, what, you know, assuming that their installer is still in business, um, they still call us because they see us and they interact with us on a daily basis, right? Whenever they check that app, right? So you know, from from that perspective, for for Enphase, we like that. We like the customer engagement. Gives us an opportunity to market to the customer, and it also benefits the installer, especially the smaller and medium-sized installers, because you know, if that installer is still active, they're going to be getting the, that second sale, right? We're going to hand them that super hot lead, right? That's basically here, here you go. They want, you know, a storage system or they need, you know, some service call for whatever the issue that they're facing is. So the, so the, the small and medium-sized installers don't need to necessarily have the full uh, customer service infrastructure, uh, but they get the benefit of the additional revenue opportunity by working with Enphase. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to do a rapid fire question here. So it's going to be true and false. We'll go down the line. As a solar installer, and this is definitely when I'm thinking about the IRA later, as a solar installer, I should partner with other organizations for my follow-on sales opportunities. True or false? Adam? True. Mark? True. Ryan? True. All right. Preston says true too. Any falses? False or trues in the audience when the installer's there? You guys want to give up that customer relationship to these guys all right okay okay we're gonna move on to the third topic here last topic really we're gonna talk about the ira the inflation reduction act i hosted a panel two weeks ago with Catherine hamilton yoni cohen we were trying to demystify the headlines of the ira i think everyone came out probably more confused <laughs> um honestly but um in the IRA or in that in the the climate bill, they talked a lot about energy efficiency. They talked about other types of programs and incentives. So, I mean, I'm just going to lay this out to to the panel as a general. How does the IRA impact this follow-on sales opportunities? Is it good? Is it bad? Is it more complicated? And maybe going back to that original um, rapid-fire question. Who are the people we should partner with now? I'll take first stab, yeah. I think through that lens, the IRA is outstanding in that it recognizes that decarbonization via electrification, let's talk about for the home, is truly all of the above mm -hmm. solutions need to be brought. And so it properly incentivizes these other assets and investments in a way that encourages pairing of them, but it also encourages kind of continuous standalone investment in appliances or a smart thermostat or a battery. And then it's incumbent upon kind of the, the skilled developers, local or national, to be able to A, execute on those opportunities and effectively message to those consumers who are interested in all the opportunities and incentives embedded in IRA to maximize that investment or that follow-on investment that they're making. Assuming they have PV on site. If they don't have PV on site, wow, you have a real opportunity to just totally stack um, lots of product pairing types and, and truly create a lot of really dynamic homes out there. Mm -hmm. You know, I mentioned that I think there's really three aspects to it, right? And it's addressed, the IRA addresses all. One, production, PB, is continually addressed. Storage is now addressed. And finally, consumption is addressed through tax advantage. Whether or not a, you know, this installer is going to take all those hats on, maybe two, and outsource one, find a good trade alliance, trade ally, 
I think that's the key, and, and that's crucial. And now it's, as you said, holistically addressed. Whether or not it's deployed holistically, that's fine. But there's a goal and the means to the goal, I believe. So, and, and the consumer awareness of home electrification, not only because of this, because of EV charging and wildfires and grids down, and it's super high. Consumers are ready to invest in modernizing and upgrading their own infrastructure. Yeah. They know the grid needs to be more robust, right? But they're willing to do that for themselves. I'm feeding back just a little, so apologize. Um, my feelings on it. Mark, so, uh, you know, very excited about the IRA. Uh, it, it's like, uh, you know, the, the greatest uh, bill ever passed in California, which passed 15 years ago, <laughs> the Million Solar Homes Act, which gave us certainty. Um, and the IRA gives us certainty. And what that's going to do is accelerate this transition of the customer to our mainstream customers who we can sell a bunch of things to now as they are going to electrify their home and use renewable generation and store some of that electricity during, during the day. But if we want to sell those things to them afterwards, they have to have a great experience with the first thing we sell to them. So, you know, I think it just it becomes even more incumbent that we create a great customer experience through the lifetime of their asset. It can't be one and done. We can't be like, sell it, install it, forget it. We tell customers that they can do that, and they can't. Uh, oh. But installers shouldn't be doing that either. I think we also need to make it easier for the homeowner, right? Because what homeowners, they want simplicity, right? They want to be able to just make a few settings and set it and forget it. They don't want to have to like sit there and tweak with every device in their home and figure out what's the optimal way to do this, right? So I think the the sort of next iteration of energy efficiency is going to be super interesting. That's going to be driven by, you know, the talent inflow from the big tech companies, right? Because like you think of, you think back to Gen 1 demand response not interesting for the homeowner, right? Getting a text message saying, hey, turn off your air conditioning on the hottest day of the year exactly when you want your air conditioning on is not a great user experience, right? So there needs to be a ton of sophistication built into our products so that the homeowner gets all of the benefits, grid services revenue from participation in grid services programs without any of the impact on their quality of life. Mm -hmm. Let me ask the audience survey question. Which solar installer is considering installing HVACs too? Okay, none. Oh, HVAC, we've got one. How about heat pumps? Maybe. Oh, there's another one. Are you, you going to install everything? All right. You will. You will. And just to close the loop on the IRA, Scott, yeah. I mean, 10-year runway on ITC is, let's, let's all... Our industry's never had that. Um, it's always, oh, what happens to your business in three years when yeah. the ITC step down or next year? So let's not understate the importance of that certainty that Mark was hinting at. And I think it's huge. But then also, furthermore, I think with those adders, you know, for the, the low-income one, the domestic content, prevailing wage, at least for the residential installers, notionally you wouldn't think that that may not apply. But I'm sure, what do you guys think about are there going to be new business models coming up about that try to be able to get more than just the 30% more than the accelerated depreciation that it becomes a lot more? Do you, do you guys see the rise again of PPAs and leases again on the residential side? Is there any, is there any disagreement in this panel? I think that's what I, 
That's why I haven't heard yet so far today. I think you may, but you may see more financial innovation as the ITC is now tradable. You may see something that looks completely different than a loan in a, or a PPA uh, as people, as the rules get written and as people try to figure out what does the customer want that allows us to get the maximum tax credit under the law. And it may, it may not be the products we have today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's right. And not to speak out of turn, but it's, it, the rules need to be written, right? A lot rests on what Treasury and the other agencies end up writing and um, implementing these rules and regulations and provisions. But point taken, financial innovation, there's so much in that law that leaves room for, regardless of how Treasury interprets it and ends up enforcing it, there's going to be financial innovation mm-hmm. one way or 300 different ways. Yeah. Any last comments on the RA? I guess from your perspective, Mark, how do you think about now pairing multiple DERs that have different useful lives, right? As you think about, you know, warrantying them, right? And because that's going to also play into the financial innovation, right? If you have a battery that's only a 10-year life versus 20 or 25-year life for your solar system, you know, that's going to, that, I think there needs to be innovation on that front. Yeah, I think you're going to end up with these products with different, different tenors on the financial side, but somehow combined so that it's easy for the customer. So it's, it's one bill, even though you've got a you know, battery you might replace after 10 years and PV that you might replace after 25 or 30. Um, so I think you'll need some financial innovation to just make that simpler for the, for the homeowner. Right. All right, so we'll close out the IRA just by saying that I know that Catherine Hamilton mentioned that the, those details that, um, that we don't know, they're being written right now. They're supposed to be written by the end of this year, but it's an open for public comment. So if you guys are able to talk to your local trade association, SIA, or the, your, your state ones, definitely try to influence that. All right. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to today's live stream replay from RE Plus Power Up Media Zone. I want to thank once again the sponsors who helped make the Media Zone possible, in particular, Fluence, who is our presenting sponsor, and our wonderful supporting sponsors as well who contributed to the show. Thanks again to RE Plus for trusting us with half of your booth on the show floor. And thanks to each and every one of you who not only showed up here for this replay, but who showed up live on the show floor to help create that audience atmosphere and give us that feedback right from the show floor. I'd love to know what you learned from this conversation. If you'd go to mysuncast.com and click on the episode notes page, you'll find a link to the show notes for this episode right in your podcast player in the description. We always link to it. And in that show notes page, you'll easily find links to all of our social media. Would you take a moment and go on to LinkedIn, find the post that we've made for this episode, and let us know what you thought about this one in particular. I know that the guests would love to hear your feedback and I would love to know how we can make this a more enjoyable experience for you or where exactly this landed and resonated for you. How does this episode help you push forward in your career, your business, your journey in this clean energy revolution? If you want to enjoy even more conversations like this, well, not only do we live stream the whole RE Plus event to our YouTube channel, which is also easily findable there in the show notes page, but we have more than 525 episodes, resources, highlights from all these discussions, along with social media links and each guest's book recommendations, their insights, and so much more over on our website at mysuncast.com. If you've been wondering how you could partner with Suncast, 
like one of our sponsors did for this live event, or like our many partners throughout the year have partnered on our mini episodes and our custom Tactical Tuesday episodes. Or if you'd like to just inquire about potentially having me look at your business through the coaching lens or as an advisor and investor and help scale your clean energy business, well, you could find out how to do more of all of that by going over to mysuncast.com. We try to make it a little easier for you to find the path that meets your needs as you scale your personal and professional journey in the clean energy economy. Remember, you are what you listen to. Thanks again for showing up, Solar Warrior. It's half the battle.